So like I said earlier, we got some people out this morning, so pray for them, uh, you know, that they would get better. You know, uh, Isaiah, he's he's under the weather and, you know, just lift him up and, and another family that's gone this morning. We have some guests. <laughs> we have some guests from across across the country. So God bless you. We're, we're grateful to have you and pray that you be blessed and encouraged by the word this morning. Um, you know, it's uh, I don't know how your week has been, right? We always do a temperature check and it's like, I don't know how you came in here this morning. I don't know if you were on a mountaintop and, and things were grand and great or if you were in the valley and it was difficult and it's hard and you're dealing with things that you don't necessarily know or understand why they're happening. Let me encourage you this morning. Keep your eyes on Christ. As I as I as I learned last night, you know, even on the mountaintop, you know, you're susceptible. <laughs> we think that the mountaintop is just, oh, it's just great and it's grand and, and it's peaceful. And yes, it is. But you can have that same peace in the valley. Because remember, when David sinned with Bathsheba, what happened, man? He was on the mountaintop, right? <laughs> he had the choice and he said, you know what? I'm not going to go into battle. I'm going to stay back. And that's when he got caught slipping. He saw Bathsheba. She was beautiful. You know, he's the king. He didn't control his urges. He said, bring her to me and we know the rest. So, whether you're on the mountaintop or the valley, the principle does not change. Keep your eyes on Christ. Amen. There's so many voices in this world. There's so many voices in our culture that are vying for our attention. That are saying, do this this way, do this that way. And, and they offer momentary satisfaction. But we're looking for something that's, that's eternal, that won't tarnish as we grow old. That won't tarnish because our circumstances change. And that, that's, the, that's the love of Christ. That's the power of Jesus that abides in you if you have humbled yourself and asked for him to be the savior of your life and the Lord of your life. You see, the Lord is always at work. Amen. Amen. <laughs> even when things don't go the way we think they're supposed to go. And even when they seem to go awry and go wrong. I have a, a, an example of this. So, you know, you guys know that you guys bought me this iPad. I don't know how many years ago, a couple years ago, something like that. Right. And that's where I, I do all my notes and prep for for the sermons and everything. And, uh, you know, this Tuesday morning, I'm like, I plug it into the same outlet in my room against my bed. Uh, and, and all of a sudden I went downstairs and, you know, my normal routine. All right. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have breakfast and I'm going to get into the word. <laughs> and sure enough, this thing didn't work. And I'm like, OK, what's up with that? So I got an electric shaver that's in the same outlet, you know, whatever, the two prongs or whatever, right? And I plug that in. I'm like, the, okay, the electric shaver works, so it must be something with this. I troubleshooted as much as I could. The, autom- you know, whatever, the force reset, all that didn't work. I'm like, all right, Lord, <laughs> I don't know what you're telling me, right? Because it's like something goes down, and, and, and what are we supposed to do? We're not supposed to panic. We're not supposed to stress out, but we're supposed to go to the Lord with this. So I'm like, all right, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to show me in this? All right. And then, you know, where I go, my mind just starts, I get, you know, you ask my wife, I just start getting whacked out. I start thinking other things. And I'm like, all right, Lord, are you telling me you just want me to preach out of this? Am I, am I relying on this iPad? <laughs> am I not relying on you? Am I, am I not relying on the word? And, you know, I didn't hear none from the Lord. And so I'm like, all right. So sure enough, it didn't work. My wife tried to try to get it to work. I said, I got to go to, I got to go to work. So I left it home with her. Long story short, I end up having to make an appointment uh, at the Apple store, you know, Valley Fair. So we're in Milpitas. Valley Fair is on, clear on the other side of town. That's where I work on, on, on the west side over there. And so I had to come home to Milpitas, get the rush, get the iPad, bring it to the Apple store. I was like a couple minutes late. I'm over here. People driving crazy. Have y'all experienced that California driving yet? People crazy, man. They will kill you on this road real quick. If you could drive here, you could drive anywhere. <laughs> and so... You know, I'm dealing with that rush hour traffic, trying to get to Valley Fair. And I, I get there and I'm, I'm like, whatever, I'm about five minutes late. And, you know, woe and behold, I meet this gentleman. I'm at the whatever they call it, the bar. And so I'm at the bar and I'm waiting for, the, you know, to be seen. And he just goes, boop, boop, boop. And then all of a sudden this thing turns on. I'm like, what? What's going on, man? I said, my wife tried to hard reset. It didn't work, this and that. He said, man, let me run a whole full diagnostic. He did all that. There's nothing wrong with the iPad. And, you know, I always have flyers on me. I have my backpack on me because I had the iPad. And, you know, I sensed the Lord, you know, tell me, witness to this man. And his name was Chris. 
And I know he wasn't saved. Well, I, I don't want to say I know he wasn't saved, but there were there were signs that he wasn't saved because when I invited him to the church house, I said, man, you need Jesus in your life. He's like, hell yeah. I said, yeah. I said, come. I said, come. Come to the church house, you know. But but I, but I share that all to say. And, and I told I told my boy, Eric, I told him this at, at work the next day. I said, you know what? I said, or even that night, I think I texted him. And I was like, I don't know why uh, this iPad didn't work. I said, there's nothing wrong with the iPad. I said, the battery life, as far as the longevity of the life of the, the iPad, it was at 87%. Charging, it was at 100%. Why it didn't turn on, I said, I don't know God's ways. His ways are greater than mine. I said, maybe the whole reason why this iPad didn't work was for me to go over to that Apple store and witness to that man. And he's not here today, but you know what? You can't get discouraged about that because the Bible says one plants a seed and another waters, but it's the Lord that brings the increase. Amen. You see what I'm saying? And this is the thing. If we don't take advantage of the what we think are the microsco- microscopic, little, little, minute uh, opportunities in our lives, we're never going to get to that place where we're like, I'm so ready to go hard for the Lord. No, you're not. Stop it. Because you need to start with baby steps. And the Bible says... Heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents that the Lord will leave the 99 that are saved and he'll go after the one, the one wretch who's just so grimy. That's like, they're like, man, you're grimy. I don't want to touch you. Jesus is like, I'll touch you. He touches the leper, right? He don't care about that. He's like, I supersede. I'm, he's like, I'm over all this. I'm trying to show you don't be don't be don't be don't be turned off by 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 the exterior of someone and how they look, because he's like, I'm after the heart. I'm after who you truly are. He, that's who the Lord wants to engage with us in. And I had another uh, inter, in, interesting engagement the next day. So um, where we work, there's a big creek. Right. That turns into the Guadalupe River uh, River and, and everything. And there's a lot of homeless people that trek in that area. And our property from our work for the school is right there. And so there's constantly, you know, people that we see that are homeless. And there's this one gentleman and he was sitting down. Well, there's a church parking lot. That's where we park. And I park there. I'm going to, you know, cross the street to go into my work. And, you know, I see him and, you know, he's looking at the we work with a lot of young women. So he's looking at all these young women. And, you know, what it is, what it is. Right. You guys get the picture. And then uh, I guess I happen to catch his eye or I don't you know, this is just again, this is another ordained uh, meeting because he looks at me and he says, hey, man, what's going on? I said, what's up, brother? How you doing? What's your name? He said, my name is Chris Curtis. He said, I just got out of prison not too long ago, this and that. And mind you, man, I'm like, I'm about to be late. (laughs) I'm about to be late to work. And the Lord just quietly laid on my heart. Stop. (laughs) Listen to this man. Don't go running across the street. Don't go run off. Listen. And so I listened. I listened to his whole little, little, little spew. I'm not going to get into everything of what he said. But he basically summed it up by saying, you know, he, he said he kind of had an epiphany. He said this individual looked at him like he was a monster. And all he was trying to do was just say hi to the person. I said, you know what, brother? I said, let me pray for you, man. And, 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 and albeit, you know, despite being late for work, I actually wasn't late. I think I was maybe on time. A minute, had a minute, half a minute to spare, but the Lord was like, pray for him. And so I prayed for that man. You know, he talked about how his family's estranged and, you know, the relationships are broken and, and basically he's just crying out. And, you know, I didn't close my eyes when I prayed right now. Cause I'm like, all right, let me, I want to see what's going on. And sure enough, this man bowed his head sitting on that little dirt hill. And, and he was in agreement with what was being said through me, through the Holy spirit. And so again, I share that to say, we cannot be focused so much on what someone looks like in their exterior position. I don't care. There's, there's, a, there's a homeless lady. Her name is Regina. I've, I've talked to her many times. I bought her food several times. Um, I was, she was sleeping behind that little green power box right now. And I was telling Mark this when we were praying. I said, the Lord showed me last week. He said, because every time I talk to her, I'm like, come to the church house. We have service at 1030. The Lord showed me next time you talk to her, tell her to come with you right now. Don't even matter if church hasn't even started. I don't care. <laughs> Bring her now. <laughs> and I went out there to see if she was there, and she's not there. You know, she rolled up her cot. Her stuff is there, but she's probably roaming around somewhere. But that's the thing, right? Is that what are we doing in our sphere of influence? You know, maybe the Lord's not calling me to Venezuela. Maybe He's not calling me to China. Maybe He's not calling me to Africa. But I'm right here. This is my mission field, man. And what am I doing in my sphere of influence on a daily basis to reach people for Christ? 
You're never, I'm never going to get there if we don't do what he's showing. Deal with the people that are right in front of our noses. We got to have a burden for people, church. Our hearts need to break for those that are lost. We can't be so, so pious in our thinking that we're just going to be in our Christian little bubble and stay like this. No, man. You need to get out there. You have all authority in Christ's name to overcome Satan and his demons and any demonic spirit that had ever come against you. You don't have to fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. So we should be the ones walking in full confidence, sharing the love of Christ with people. Not Bible thumping, but simply being kind. You know, let the Holy Spirit lead and show you. Amen. Amen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. My rock and my redeemer. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Amen. Amen. All right. The portion of our scripture we're going to be in this morning is Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're going to be going through verses 18 down through 26. I've entitled this message, The Vanity of Toil. Uh, When you get there, if you can, please stand for the reading of God's word. If you don't have a Bible, we have a couple of hard copy Bibles available on that black box over there. If not, the scripture should be on the, um, the screen behind me or you can use your phone. Nowadays, the word is so readily accessible that uh, everybody has access to it. <laughs> I'll go ahead and read our text. I'll pray and we'll get into our message this morning. Once again, that's Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 18. We'll go down to 26. And this is uh, King Solomon speaking of his uh, encounter with toil. And he says, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. What has man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. There is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment. For to the one who pleases him God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give it to the one who pleases God. This also is a vanity and a striving after the wind. Let's go ahead and pray. Yahweh, we come before you and and, Lord, we just help us to meditate on you. Help us to. Lord, it's not a legalistic thing, but it's when we truly have experienced your grace and your mercy. What else do we want to do? Where else will we want to be? Lord, all the striving and all the doing, Lord, it ends in the same manner. It's empty. If we do not have a biblical worldview and a true relationship, a true communion with you, we're lost. We're chasing after the wrong things. We're seeking after things that will lose their luster so quick that we'll be right after it for the next high. That's how life works. You've created us this way to have fellowship with you. So I pray, Lord, it's not by my might. I have no might. I have no strength. It's by your Holy Spirit. I pray you would break down the walls in people's hearts today. I pray that you would reassure them of your love for them and how much you care for them, that you're closer to them than their own breath. And that they would learn and understand to live from the inside out, knowing that fellowship with you is the binding factor that makes life not even bearable, but enjoyable. (laughs) Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your revelation of truth. I pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week we observed that apart from Christ, apart from Jesus Christ, right? Wisdom madness and folly they all basically end in the same manner (laughs) the wise person 
apart from Christ, just living for the sake of wisdom to be wise, to have a fat head, the person that's full of madness, that, that, that just has no control, has no restraint, and the person of folly who's just loosey-goosey about everything and no care in the world, all these people end up in the same manner. You see, death is the great equalizer between all three. There's no way you and I can get out of it. <laughs> None of us are getting out of this life alive. And I think for some of us, that scares us to death. That's why you have so many people doing so many erratic, crazy things because they're just so afraid that they try to numb it. <laughs> they try to numb it. They think it, it's like it's like my daughter, <laughs> like my son this morning. I was telling him so many. Uh, he tried to hide his face. I said, bro, I can still see you, bro. <laughs> just because you hide in your face don't mean I can't see you, man. You're not invisible. We can, we can try to shield our, our, our lives from death, but the reality is there's a number over each and every one of our heads, and we don't know when it is. But none of us are getting out of this thing alive. But the hope is the eternal life that's found in Christ. And so we learn that apart from God, all these people, in all these different circumstances, death is the great equalizer. This observation... It left Solomon feeling grieved in his heart because he came to realize that all is vanity and chasing after the wind. You see that statement over and over in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes that is vanity. Vanity meaning it's empty. It's empty. It's hollow. That's what they talk about, the vanity fair. Valley fair mall. Vanity fair mall. It's empty. I was, and I hate going to the mall. I was like, I hate this place. You know, I don't hate the people that work there, but just the whole, the atmosphere, I'm just not into it. You know, there was a time and place where I used to, you know, run around selling CDs and, you know, trying to make money and all that stuff and what, what youngsters do. But I was like, I can't stay in this place. <laughs> oh, get out of here, Lord. I don't need this temptation on every angle. I'm like, Lord, get me out of here. <laughs> Even the food. I'm like, no, I don't want that food. Please stop. Get away from me. I just want to go to the Apple store and get out. But it's all vanity. And try chasing the wind. We talked about this the other day. I went to, you know, whatever, uh, uh, whatever, the, the San Francisco Giant Stadium. Man, it's like windy as all get up up there. You can't chase the wind. I don't know where it's coming from. And that's what Solomon's saying. Understanding the fact that all these different people, even with good causes, they all end up in the same place. He's like, man, this is grieving my heart. And this is vanity. It's like chasing after the wind. Again, for the wise person, if they have obtained wisdom... And made wisdom their God, their memory will be soon forgotten. I'm not talking for the believer. I'm talking for someone who, who is trying to be wise for the sake of just, I'm a wise person. I'm smart. I have information. I can talk your ear off about a million different things. I'm a know-it-all. Their memory is going to be forgotten. But despite the emptiness found in seeking after experiences, good and bad, we were encouraged that a genuine relationship with Yahweh, which is Father God, through Jesus Christ, will always satisfy the longing soul. You see, all of us have a God-sized hole within us, whether we know it or not, whether we've experienced it or not, and the only one who can actually satisfy what's in us that we're craving is Christ. You can't get high enough. You can't get drunk enough. You can't make enough money. You can't in involve yourself in enough sensual activity, uh, gratifying your flesh. Those things are fleeting. It's like the person that always got to get high. Why do they got to get high? Because the high only lasts for so long and now I got to get higher. <laughs> but you can only get so high, man. And then you're going to go off into something else. And now it becomes even hard, more hardcore. And crazy. And we, we, I don't want to get off into that, but you, you understand the picture. Christ is the only one that can truly satisfy the longing of our souls. And this is the good thing, church. We can literally experience this fullness daily if you and I choose Christ over everything. Amen. There used to be a saying back when I was younger, and they said, Money over everything. Money over everything, dog. <laughs> There's money over everything. Money over everything on mine, homeboy. Nowadays, I say it's Christ over everything, homeboy. Because he's the only one. What are you going to do when they don't back this dollar bill no more? All, you already know all the money's in the computer systems anyways. It's all just, you know, numbers. What are you going to do when the dollar bill don't, ain't worth nothing no more? 
No street hustle is going to work. You're going to need a chip. You're going to need you're going to need the stuff in the bank. You're going to need a car, whatever, however they, they work that. The whole point is all that stuff's going to fail us. But it's only Christ who can solidify us and rectify us and make us right before Father God and give us peace and give us joy. What we're all seeking after. All of this leads us to the next thing Solomon came to realize <laughs> was vanity and it was toil and all the things that go along and come with toil. Toil in the sense of it's just work, work, what you do, what you put effort into, what you, what you put your blood, sweat and your tears into. He said, man, this toil is vanity. What I've worked for all of my life, what I've strained so hard, what, I, what I've had sleepless hours, sleepless nights, giving of myself, sacrificing so much, it's all vanity, it's all chasing after the wind. Remember, this was the one main responsibility given to Adam in the garden, right? <laughs> I said, keep my garden, tend to it, do this and be, and be well. You see, before the fall, Adam enjoyed his work. The first man enjoyed it. He wasn't like, man, grumbling. Get up, bro. I got to get up and got to go work. I want to go work. No, he, he enjoyed it. Now, obviously, I wasn't there. But I imagine in my mind, that like the whole whistle while you work. He's over here whistling, you know, enjoying his work, enjoying his toil. But after the fall, it was by the sweat of his brow that he would have to toil to survive. I don't even know that he sweated before the fall. Who knows? Maybe he didn't even break a sweat. You didn't need Old Spice. <laughs> but, the, but sin came in the world now. Okay, now it's, all, it's a hot mess. Now he's just, you know, he's losing all, all of his fluids. He needs electrolytes now because <laughs> of sin. You see, work, a career... No matter, no matter how rewarding or successful, maybe your goal is you want to be an NFL superstar. That's cool, man. You know, maybe you want to be a, a computer programmer. You want to be a computer engineer. You want to be the next Bill Gates. That's cool. Maybe you want to be, what's, what's, what's higher, LN or RN? I don't know. My, one of my sister-in-laws is one of them. She made good money. <laughs> but you, maybe you want to be one of those. Maybe you want to be a doctor. That's cool. But none of those things. Maybe you want to be a pastor. <laughs> I don't know. But none of those things, including being called to be a pastor, will never truly fulfill the deepest need of your soul. All of your service to the Lord will never fulfill the deepest longing of your soul. You see, sometimes Christians can get into the mode where they think, because I do good works, I'm going to be fulfilled. No, you do good works out of a changed heart, out of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit into your life, and now you've been revised because now you're doing good things because of what has been good done to you. <laughs> but that's not your identity, and that doesn't fulfill you. Anytime we get into a mode where we start thinking things or the things we do or stuff or people are going to fulfill us, Oh, man, we're, we're setting ourselves up for a big fall because only Christ alone can truly satisfy. If you haven't experienced it, you've got to experience it because it changes your life forever. And it's not, a, it's not a wrestling or a striving thing. It's just a resting. It's a clinging. It's an acknowledgement that, Lord, I don't keep my heart beating. I don't keep the breath coming in and out of my lungs. I don't keep my brain from having an aneurysm and me dropping dead on the floor right now. It's only by your mercy and your grace and your might and the miracle of life that you've given me. You sustain me. You keep me afloat. You've numbered my days. You know the, num you the, num you know the numbers of hair on, uh, on my head. You know everything about me. You fearfully and wonderfully created me in my mother's womb. It's that kind of trust in him. That's what sets up that, 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 that freedom in Christ to be fulfilled. And now you're like, man, now I can enjoy these things <laughs> without, without, without you know, having to deal with the fact that these things are going to try to overtake my heart. And you can keep things and people in check without them playing God in your life.
we have several main points. And the first one is this. Much wealth can cause the owner stress because what they leave behind may not be used well. Let me make a disclaimer real quick. The same thing can happen with people that are dirt poor. We say this all the time. It ain't about money. I don't... Let me, let me pick my words wisely. People just sometimes need to be corrected when they say, money is the root of all evil. We've heard it all the time. It's just like when people say revelations, it's revelation. But money is not the root of all evil. The Bible, the Word of God says it is the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is an inanimate object. So you can be uber wealthy and there's nothing wrong with it. If you got Christ at the center of your heart and you're stewarding that money correctly, you can be fine. Because I know people who are wealthy and are good with the Lord. I also know people that do not have much money at all and are rotten (laughs) because their outlook is wrong. So it's not about that's just a disclaimer. I'm not attacking people with wealth. I'm not discriminating against people that don't have wealth. I'm telling you, it can go both ways. It does go both ways. You see. Many times there is much stress involved with obtaining wealth. There's stress that comes with it. It's not just this carefree thing that you just run in a large sum of money and acquire all kind of wealth and assets. And it's just easy breezy lemon squeezy. Or is it easy peasy lemon squeezy? Either way, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Um, Many people think that all their problems will be solved the minute they become rich. An example, uh, the Powerball. Last year, November 8th, California, one ticket. $2.04 billion. I'm like, what? Cats can't even get school lunches. Where? I, my wife tried to explain to me, I guess, you know, the lotto works, it's a buy-in, right? I, I guess that's how they come up with all this money. <laughs> I'm like, bro, how, how, how are we giving away $2.04 billion? But yet people don't have adequate health care. People don't even got a place to live. They had to open up that, that, uh, that what is it, extended stay America. And now people are living over there like, it, like it's home because they ain't got no place to go because of the pandemic. But some people think, oh, man, if I had $2.04 billion, man, everything's going to be great. All my problems are going to go away because I just throw money at it. I just throw money at every single thing. I got to throw money at it. It'll take care of it. It'll take care of it. In one sense, that is true. But in another, it's not. You see, Solomon was grieved in his heart by the fact that he had worked so hard to obtain things in this life. And one day... It was going to be left to someone who may not appreciate what it took for him to earn it all. Because he can't take it with them. We know Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And he had an extreme amount of wealth. That it may simply all be a waste. You see, some spend all the days of their lives toiling working hard and amassing more and more, but never enjoy the fruit of their labor. And this is vanity and meaningless. I mean, your whole life working so hard to have stuff, to have this and that. And I get it. I get it. Sometimes we grow up with nothing, with meager means. And so when, when we start running into wealth because we've worked hard, we just keep stuff and we keep it and we keep it and we hoard it. And we, you know, we got to continue getting it because we didn't have it growing up. And I get that. But again, that's a condition that only Christ can fix. That Christ needs to purge out certain things in you to show you that you, all that stuff ain't going to make you happy. It ain't going to give you joy. It may give you happiness for a, a moment in time. But I guarantee you, you're going to have to buy another pair of Jordans. I've been there, done that. I told you guys about that. I got all kinds of Jordans in my, in my closet. Sort of some I never even wore yet. Why? Because I was caught up in thinking, I just need that. It's going to make me happy. And it loses luster so quick. I'm like, not even all that. Just spent $300 on a pair of tennis shoes basketball shoes for what i'm 44 years old (laughs) i'm gonna be running with these youngsters but it's a thing this is what we go through this is what we struggle with this is what solomon was dealing with kalos by the way will get all my jordans that i don't wear (laughs) 
<laughs> He'll get them all if he wants them. If not, whatever, he's selling them. You've heard it said there's no U-Haul attached to a hearse. Well, that's so true. Nothing physical that we toil and work hard for here on earth will come with us into eternity. It's all going to be left. It's all going to be left. You can't take it with you. (laughs) And for the non-believer, for the person that says Christ is a hoax, Christ is a joke, Christ ain't real, I don't need him. I can go another route. I can go another way. I'm my own God or I just I don't believe in it. (laughs) You know, for for the atheist, I mean, it's just crazy. Already acknowledging that God doesn't exist. You already shot your whole your whole premise in the foot. (laughs) Don't even talk about God if you don't exist. That's another whole side thing. Sorry, I get caught up in rabbit rabbit holes, rabbit trails all the time. But for the non-believer, this is a horrible predicament. They work hard, God bless you. They work hard all their lives striving for what they believe is going to bring them success. For what they think will make them happy. All the while not realizing that time passes quick. Don't time pass so quick the older you get? You're like, what in the world? How old are you? <laughs> what? In the world? Man, it's just passing by. I, had a, I have a boy of mine that I, that, that I work with and, 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 and uh, you, know, you know, we whatever we rap every morning he's like you know how you doing i'm like i'm good i'm good i'm blessed bro how you doing he said yeah i'm good he said he said man that's the way to look at it because you said you know what we got more days behind us than ahead of us i'm like man bro i ain't even that old you telling that to me man (laughs) but it's the truth right when you start really looking at it you're like man i done kind of wish i was eight years old again (laughs) i got a gang of time (laughs) you know 44 i'm like man i'm like kind of like about midlife crisis about about there (laughs) I'm that dude in the middle. I'm not old, but I ain't young. I'm like, man, something's going to break. Hopefully not my back. <laughs> and this is the thing. They work so hard <laughs> for, for all of this they toil for, and they may not even be able to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Then they must leave it all behind for someone to enjoy all their hard work. You see, there is no guarantee that the person who inherits what he what he did not earn if he'll even use it right and there's no guarantee that who you leave it to are they going to be wise about it are they going to inherit the property that you leave for them and are they going to steward it the right way or are they just going to piddle it away are they going to be wise you see and even if they live to enjoy their wealth void of a relationship with jesus christ they will die empty broken and spiritually bankrupt with no prospect of peace and entering into the new jerusalem where Father God will be. So you can have everything. What will a man give to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You could have all these experiences and it can all be for nothing because the day you die, you're going to know what it is to fear the Lord. If you don't fear him already, you will fear the Lord on, on the day of your death. When you awaken into eternity, you will know what it really means to have a holy fear of God. And I don't say that in any kind of condescending way. I know that the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, we're we're not really taught that in church enough anymore. We kind of gloss over the fear of God as if it's just some some afterthought or just have a reverence for God. No, have a holy fear of God because that's what's going to bring you into a right alignment with God for him to now shower his blessings upon your life. But when we go all willy-nilly thinking we can do whatever we want, having no, no holy fear of God, then it's like it cuts off the flow of blessing. Because the fear of God will keep you and me from doing stupid stuff. Amen. It really will. Second main point. Having great wealth can leave your heart troubled to the point where you have sleepless nights. An example of this. There's a man named Thomas Gallagher. He's 72 years old. He's a multimillionaire. But he's still nervous about money. This is a quote from an article I read uh, this week. This is what he says. He says, quote, I have more money than I had ever imagined. But I still worry I do not have enough. Will I live long Enough, I thought, end quote. He's 72 years old and a multimillionaire. 
And this man doesn't think he has enough money. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where you're living. I don't know what your lifestyle habits are, homeboy, but I think you got enough money. <laughs> but do you see the stress and the anxiety that can come along with money? The more of it you have, I mean, you know, rappers rapped about it back in the 90s. The more money, the more problems. Oh, Puffy, what did Puffy say? Is it Mace? I'm, I'm dating myself. <laughs> but it's real. Remember what the Bible has to say. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 12 through 13 says, Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. I mean, pretty simple. <laughs> it's like, man, a lot of times people that got that wealth, they're stressed out. They don't get sleep. They don't get the kind of sleep that you get when you just, you know, you got what you need and that's it. You see, many times, especially with an unbeliever, more wealth creates anxiousness. Solomon even said, even in the night, his heart does not sleep. Or does not rest. Speaking of the person who has a lot of wealth. It's this church. If your nights are robbed of sleep. If you can't sleep like a baby soundly. And I'm not talking about if you got sleep apnea. You got to do the mask and all that. I'm talking about spiritually. Deep on the inner depth of who you are. If you cannot sleep. If you do not have peace at night. That's exactly what it means. You don't have peace. You don't have peace. With all the wealth in the world. It couldn't offer this person peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Where does the peace come from? It comes from Father God. And what does it do? It surpasses all understanding. You don't got to be stressed out about this and that and the X's and O's and how it's going to happen. His says, the Bible says that the God's peace will guard your heart and your mind and you're going to get the rest you need because you're trusting in him and he gives it freely to those who don't look to God as their, as their master. Again, some people really believe that obtaining wealth will make them happy. Again, there's nothing wrong with wealth. But the problem is when, we, when, when we're created by the infinite God, he created us with eternity in mind. And our fellowship with God is from the inside out. It's not external, right? It's an inward thing. So Paul said in the book of Colossians, the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, right? Jesus said he would be one and well of, uh, and a, well, or a, and a well of living water springing up to eternal life so that we could thirst no more. But this is in internal and eternal thing it's internal it's a mystery so don't expect me to explain it because i can't i can't it's a supernatural thing that happens but the mystery of the gospel is how, how how the holy spirit gets imparted into a believer and from the inside out you can now live onto christ in other words as christians we must learn to live from the inside out not from the outside in when a person is preoccupied with their wealth or the lack of it, they are sowing to the flesh. And we know what the Bible says, sowing to the flesh, you will reap spiritual death. You can have all the things and all the goods, but if you sow to the flesh, man, you're going to have spiritual death. But for the one whose priorities are the things of God, they are sowing to the spirit and they will reap eternal life. Amen. The third main point is this. To eat and drink and to enjoy your toil in life is a gift from the hand of God. You see, Solomon came to understand that he could not take his own wealth with him. He also understood that he had no control over how his wealth would be distributed or how it would be used once he was gone. So the Lord gave him revelation that there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in all his toil. That this indeed is a gift from God. Think about this, church. How many people do you know that grumble and complain about their work? They hate their work. They hate their job. They hate their profession. They hate what they do. They're miserable. They're stressed out. They're always broken and complaining. Not happy with it. I hate my job. I hate my coworkers. I hate what I got to do. Man, bro, you got a lot of hate in you. You need to ease up a little bit, man. Get off the coffee. 
They're miserable earning a living. Their ability to in, the, the ability to enjoy your labor is truly a gift from God. Again, remember Adam before sin entered the world. He thoroughly enjoyed tending to the garden. But after the fall of mankind, this was one of the consequences of it. Genesis chapter 3 verses 18 and 19 tells us, Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat the bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken for you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. This is one of the consequences. It's, it's, just, it's, 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 the, it's the hard effort that goes into working. I think of construction workers or carpenters, people that, that do grueling hard work, backbreaking work. I think of all the, 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 the people in, in, in the hospitals that were, that were working so hard during the pandemic and dealing with death and people dying all around them all the time, and they're working you know, 18 hours a day not even leaving the hospitals. It's grueling work. That's because of sin, not because of their sin personally, because of the sin of mankind. Everyone has to toil to work to earn their keep. It's a huge deal to truly enjoy your lot in life. If you enjoy your lot in life today, this morning, you are blessed. Don't take it for granted that, 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 that you have peace to enjoy what you do. To eat and drink and be merry. It's so sad when people don't enjoy the provisions the good Lord has provided. Again, so if today, if you are grateful for your work, you're grateful for your job, your employment, and you can eat and drink and be merry, you're blessed. If you don't enjoy your work, remember that everything that you do, you should be doing it onto the Lord. Okay? By doing this, your heart and your perspective will change. And you will be in a position to receive the joy of the Lord in your heart, regardless of what you're doing. Because I get it. Sometimes we're in a transition. You're like, this ain't the job I want to do the rest of my life. Okay, I get that. But you can still do it onto the Lord. Don't do a crummy job just because you're not where you think you want to be. How do you think God is going to promote you to the next level where you want to go if you're not even doing, again, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing with where you're at, don't expect to be exalted and promoted to the next position. It does not work like that. But when you humble yourself and do it all unto the Lord, man, you could be a janitor. Bro, I'm the best janitor. I'm up in this place. I'm cleaning everything. Bro, you can't steal my joy. But that's the truth. All right, let's break down these verses, 18 to 23. Praise God. Praise Him. He's the only one that deserves to be praised. Praise Him. I hated all my toil in which... I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave everything, <laughs> leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he's going to be wise or a fool, yet he will be master over all, which I have toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labor under the, under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of his heart, which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. Okay, let's look at this first statement. He says he hated his labor because he must leave it to someone who's going to come after him. Not only did Solomon hate life under this kind of thinking... He also hated his very accomplishments, saying they were all vanity. He's like, man, it, it's empty. It, it was meaningless. It's all this that I've done, it has no real purpose at all. The idea is that Solomon might leave all his work and material possessions to a fool. And that troubled him. Like that, That's bothersome to me. That, that I, might, I might leave everything I've worked so hard for, and, and this fool's going to get it. And you know what the word says, be mindful who you call fool, but it's still, the, the point is, someone who's not wise, and they're going to waste away everything I've worked so hard for. This concern was justified because after Solomon's death, you know, his son, his one son, Rehoboam, turned out to be a fool in many ways. You can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 12 and also 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 21 down through 31. A side note, from the records that we know of, Solomon had 700 wives. That just makes me queasy. <laughs> That's crazy. He had 700 wives. 
And he had 300 concubines. And yet he only had one son. And this man ended up being a fool. The next statement says, There is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his, his, his heritage to a, a man who has not labored for it. Again, death haunted Solomon, not in the sense that he seemed to be afraid of death, but he dispirited how death makes all things meaningless. Again, apart from Christ, it is. I get why people say live your best life now. Because if you don't have Christ, what else are you going to do? You better live your best life now because after this, it's it. You're going to hellfire. They, they don't believe they're going to hell. They just believe, I don't know, I'm going to come back as a sparrow or I'm going to come back as a gorilla or I don't know. What's gonna, I'm just going to be in the atmosphere somewhere. I'll be, I'll be in the cosmos. I'll be a star. You know, so they live their best life now. You hear that all the time, man. Hollywood talk about live your best life now. Come on now. Stop it. Stop telling these people lies. Stop telling them falsehoods. It's going to lead them astray. But for the non-believer, that's all they have. That's their only prospect of, of enjoying life is do it all now. Let it all hang out. Get all you can now. But for the believer, we should not live like that, church. He goes on to say, I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor in which I had toiled under the sun. <laughs> he, he, the only conclusion he could come to is that it's all useless. And a, best, a, a despair resulted. He allowed his heart to despair at, at this, this train of thought. And this is the conclusion that one will come to if they decide in their heart to seek after meaning and purpose in the things and experiences of this life. I don't care. I don't care. It might take you 85 years, but you're going to come to a point if you deny Christ and live for the world, you're going to at some point in time, you're going to come to the point where you realize this is empty and this is meaningless and this is hollow and I'm really not happy. I really don't have joy. I really don't have peace. I wish I just had good relationships. <laughs> don't you want good people around you that, are, that want to be around you because of you, because of your character? Many times when you have wealth, you don't know who's your real friends. I done been through it. I done been through it where so I had a gang of people around me. And as soon as I got my second DUI and was in jail again, everybody split. <laughs> everybody split, man. There wasn't nobody around. I had no real friends. Everybody's like, oh, old boy's not old boy no more. He just that dude. You know? The Bible don't lie, church. You want people to you want to surround yourself with people that that love you and care for you for who you are, not for what you can give them. Whether you can buy them a meal or you're like, man, I, I'm kind of down and out. <laughs> I can't contribute anything financially that they're not even tripping. Like, come on, come jump in the car. Let's roll. We gone. Let's go. That's who you want to be around. Again, everything is meaningless without Christ. We instead need to be on guard in our lives and take heed so that we are living with meaning and purpose in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's for the believer. Your work is not in vain. If, if, if Christ is sitting on the throne of your heart, it's not meaningless. There's a purpose behind everything you do. You know, the physical things we do, the monetary things we get. Yes, the Lord provides all of our needs. But the reason we are where we're at in our jobs and our careers and our families is not necessarily for that stuff. Again, I talk about the janitor analogy. The janitor is not necessarily there just to keep the school clean. The janitor is there to be a blessing to the people's souls that he comes in contact with every day. You don't know that janitor may be praying for every single person in that workplace. He's like, man, I see these people coming in. They got boys and girls bathrooms saying anybody can go in anything. That ain't cool. But the janitor's praying that, that boys wouldn't go in girls' bathrooms and girls wouldn't go in boys' bathrooms and boys would be boys and girls would be girls instead of switching it up and all that stuff. Because it's something, there's a higher calling there. Who knows? That janitor may just be an angel. You don't know. I don't know. Sometimes we're entertaining angels. We don't even know it is what the Bible says. But either way, your, your work and my work, church, if we labor for the Lord, it's never in vain. We also see this similar principle in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, that apart from living for the Lord, one will be left empty in the end. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. He will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
the application is this. At the basis of Jesus' teaching about possessions, there are four great principles. And the first one is this. In the final analysis, all things belong to God. I don't care if you're Bill Gates. You're just a steward of the funds. We deceive ourselves and we think, it's me. I did it. I did it with my hard work. I'm the one who's got the brains. I'm the one who's got the brawn. I'm the one who's got the talent. God gave you all that. What does Daniel always say? He's not here today. He's on Zoom. But he said, you know, <laughs> they say uh, God, God made the man out of dirt. And then these people want to create their own world. And then, you know, God's going to say, go get your own dirt. You can't make man. You create the dirt. But everything's God's. We're just stewards. My children, I'm just, I don't own my children. I'm a steward of them. The second per, uh, principle is this. People are always more important than things. Stuff is not as important as the people. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm con- the Lord is constantly dealing with me in my heart in that, in my own family with certain things. And you know what I mean? It's just the reality of life. But people are more important than things. The third principle is this. Wealth is always a lower good. <laughs> people have, some people have a hard time with this, with the tithing or offering. Even, you know, we, oh, I don't want to get into it, but the 10% thing, it wasn't even 10%. It was more like 23% <laughs> back in the, in the days of the Israelites. But some people be like, I just give my guy my 10%. But either way, you know, God can do more with your $90 and you give him 10 than you try to keep the whole $100 for yourself because you're like, it's mine. I work for it. I, I, I got to pay bills. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord to provide your needs. Give of the first fruits of everything you own. You, your life, your talents, your gifts, your finances, and watch God bless. But some people are so stingy and they just hold on to it. I was told by a wise Christian a long time ago that I need to learn to hold things with an open hand, including this ministry of his. If the Lord don't want us in this building, we're out. We're gone. I'm not subject to stay here. I'm subject to take orders from the Lord. But every little thing, we we just need to allow the Lord to do a work. Finally, the fourth principle in this is the possession of wealth, money, and material things is not a sin, but it is a grave responsibility. It's not a sin to be wealthy. It's not a sin to be financially rich, but it's a great responsibility. It's a great responsibility if you only got $300 in the bank. (laughs) You got to steward it well. Don't piddle it away. Seek the Lord on how you're supposed to do things, who you're supposed to give it to, how you're supposed to use it for yourself. I'm so glad I'm not where I used to be. I used to be that guy that I get paid and then I'm, I spent it all. <laughs> spent it all in like 24 hours. Couldn't wait to spend it. It's like, dude, you're not saving no money, bro. But now the Lord's changed my life. He's changed my heart. And now money's not an issue. It's like, I don't care about money. I personally, I don't pray about money. (laughs) I pray for wisdom. I pray for love. I pray for grace. I pray for mercy. I pray for strength. I pray for him to draw me in closer. And what does the Bible say? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be provided unto you. He's never failed me. He's always come through in an over an abundance. I've never had a lack or need for anything. Despite things being tight, it doesn't happen for the child of God, church. The next, uh, the next statement we see is all his days are sorrowful and his work is burdensome. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. If death robs our work of meaning, then life is indeed sorrowful. Work is burdensome and there is no rest or relief <laughs> from the despair of a meaningless life. Surely this is also vanity. Actually, it's worse than vanity. The preacher observed that under the sun, this is a great evil. (laughs) Solomon hints here at a vital question. Why why does this bother us so much? Well, if if this is man's lot and always has been, if if eternal meaning to life is a fantasy, then, then why does that idea cause discontentment in people if they're honest with themselves? If we're really honest with ourselves, does it cause discontentment? <laughs> this fact that this is all there is? I, I would beg to say, yes, especially if we don't know the Lord. We're probably bothered by that because it's like you're, this life is a ticking time bomb <laughs> and you don't know when you're going to go. <laughs> and so if this is all there is to it, it's like, what? This is life? It's meaningless. It's pointless. There's nothing to it. Think of it this way and you fill in the blank. Again, I'll use the example of a mechanic. Okay, You fill in the blank for your own life. 
the mechanic, even if he loves his job of being a mechanic and it's his passion to fix things and he's a mechanic and he's got a job and this is his career, without the framework of a greater call on his life to serve the Lord and be a blessing to others, he will eventually grow discontent in simply being a mechanic. It's going to lose its luster over time. Though he loves being a mechanic, though it's his passion to be a mechanic, if he doesn't have the framework of a biblical worldview and his life is for a greater good, to have fellowship and relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he is going to run dry. Just look at all the people who have gained fortune and fame. They got what they really wanted in life, and yet they grew unhappy. They got all they wanted. They got the beautiful wife with the, you know, little slim figure. <laughs> you know, even after five kids, you know, it looked like she ain't had no kids. They, they, they got the perfect career, the seven figure salary. They got the house on the hills. You know, their kids got great SAT scores. <laughs> They're going to the perfect college, all paid. All their ducks are in a row, but yet they're miserable on the inner depth of who they really are. Why? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 tells us, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. You see, only Yahweh can fill that God-sized hole in a person's soul. Nothing else will ever truly satisfy. I hope that 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 point rings home because we're all seeking satisfaction. We're all seeking enjoyment. We're all seeking goodness and joy. And it only comes from one source. All right, let's look at 24 and 25. We're almost done. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in all his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? <laughs> Nothing is better for man than that he should eat and drink. This thought is prominent in the book of Ecclesiastes, being repeated five separate times. It seems that the preacher here, Solomon, advised us how to make the best of a bad situation. If life really is a despairing and meaningless thing, he says it is then we should simply accept that true meaning is impossible to find and simply find contentment in moderate and responsible pleasures. This is the, this is the thinking that, that permeates our day and age. The reality is few people live for truth. Eternal meaning in one's life is, is not sought after and, and they live with these under the sun rules, just kind of doing what they want, getting what they want, amassing as much as they can and enjoying uh, themselves to the fullest without the framework of a biblical worldview, without uh, being responsible and accountable to a holy and living God. They try to work hard. They try to enjoy life. They try to have fun. They try to be nice people. They try not to get caught doing wrong and they try not to hurt anybody. This thinking may work for making a bad situation better but it gives no true meaning to life in light of eternity. And so he goes on to say that this also I saw was from the hand of God, speaking of being able to enjoy, just enjoy the simple things of life, being able to eat, <laughs> to drink, and enjoy your, your, your lot in life. We again see that the preacher is, is not an atheist. He certainly believes in God. The Lord is the only one who can truly give peace, even on a micro level. To simply be able to, to truly eat, drink, and enjoy your toil is a gift from Him. I'm sure that we've heard of or know people who, even though they have an abundance of material things, they simply can't even enjoy a decent meal in peace. I mean, they got all the money in the world. They got the nice house. They got the fine china. They got the expensive $10,000 rug. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They got, they got all the stuff that you'd be like going Google Gaga over. And like they don't have peace at the dinner table. They don't have peace in their hearts with the person they eat with or they're alone and they have no peace. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 17 says, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. You could have all that. And it could be not blessed. And that's so sad. I could see where Solomon's coming from. That's meaningless. My goodness, bro, you got the Tesla. 
You got the, you got the, I don't know, you got whatever the, you know, the super expensive cars are. You got all this stuff, but there's no peace. There's no peace in the home. There's, there's arguing and yelling and frustration and anger and hatred and bitterness of every kind. Demonic activity going on. That's not cool. Same thing goes for poor people. I'm not trying to rag on the rich. I'm just saying. Everything is vanity. Apart from living in true fellowship with God the Father, it's all empty. To live under the sun is to decide that the natural thing is to do, is to just take what comes. (laughs) Materialism, it becomes fatalism (laughs) when we just live for material things. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment more than I? Given Solomon's premise, his life should have been the best in a meaningless world. He can enjoy this world of despair better than anyone could. He had everything. He had an overabundance of everything. Yet his life was almost infinitely poorer than the most humble life lived with true meaning. We don't need too little or too much. We just need enough to satisfy our needs. That's what the Bible says. Okay? The Word of God says this in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that, I, that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profound, profane the name of the Lord. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Just give me, just give me enough to get by. Just give me enough to be content so I don't have to, 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 do, to do things on either end of the spectrum that would blaspheme the name of God. This is why we are told in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You see, remember, if you have humbled yourself before Yahweh, before Yeshua, which is Jesus, and have repented of your sin, receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And that should affect how you view everything around you. That is why the Christian of necessity should view everything that happens to him or to her in this world entirely differently from everyone else. The Christian is not worried about the food and the drink and the housing and the clothing. The, crew, the Christian sits loosely with the things of this world and its affairs. Why? Because we belong to another kingdom. We're aliens. We're sojourners. <laughs> this is not our home, man. One day we're going we're to be gone. We're going to the new Jerusalem. We're not going to be here. We need to live church from the inside out. Meaning it's a supernatural breakthrough That will truly satisfy us. It's the fellowship with Christ. It's the fellowship with God the Father that that brings peace into your life. That sustains you. It's not all the external stuff. Stop seeking God out in space. He's living on the inside if you're saved. The Holy Spirit has already been deposited to you. The power of the Holy Spirit resides in you. Your body is now the temple of the living God. Amen? If we are saved and have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, again, it's through Jesus' work on the cross and the Holy Spirit inside of us, we have dominion over Satan. The Christian shouldn't live defeated. We shouldn't look to our circumstances to fulfill or satisfy us. Because Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will remain forever or endure forever. Meaning when this is all said and done, it's the word of God that's going to stand the test of time. This world is going to be annihilated. It's going to be burned up in fire, and then he's going to bring the new heaven and the new earth about. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, He answered Satan, and it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, it's the spiritual connection to God that keeps you afloat. It's the spiritual nourishment that you get from the word of God, from Jesus himself, from heavenly Father himself that keeps you alive, that keeps you afloat, that sustains your life. And the last verse, and I'll close, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26. For the one who pleases 
Him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give it to the one who pleases God. This is also vanity and a striving after the wind. Man, I mean, Solomon is just putting it all out there. <laughs> you know, it, it, it don't take a rocket scientist, but it does take the, 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 uh, the revelation of the Holy Spirit for us to get this. And I pray that we get this. He said, God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to the man who pleases him. Notice, true knowledge, wisdom, and joy only comes from the hand of God. You can't manufacture it. You can't work hard enough for it. You can't earn it through good deeds. And you can't fake it. You simply must humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, rely on Him for everything you need, and rest in Him alone and always. As you do this... He will draw you closer and closer to him and your fellowship with him. And all these things are just simply going to be added on to you. They're a supernatural byproduct of humbling yourself before the hand of God. Psalm chapter 23 verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I'll end with this point. He goes on to say, this is also vanity and chasing after the wind. The fact that someone who gathers and, and, and gains, if they're living a sinful life, it's all going to be left to the godly. <laughs> He's like, see, you did all that and I, I'm giving it to the godly. See, in and of itself, an inheritance left to one's children is not a bad thing at all. It is good. We're actually told in Scripture to leave an inheritance Mostly, most importantly, a spiritual inheritance that can be passed down several generations. The Bible talks about a good man. A good man is someone that, that leaves a, a spiritual inheritance that can be gathered by generations that succeed him. That's a good man. That's what he says. Three generations. I don't know exactly where in the Bible, but uh, I'll look it up. But the Bible does talk about that. So Solomon knew that, that, that what he gave over from God's hand was not enough to give true meaning to life under the sun. Again, only Jesus Christ can satisfy. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the revelation of truth. Lord, help us to experience that. Maybe for some of us, we're like, man, it sounds good, but, you know, make it real to me. (laughs) How do I actually really experience Jesus? I mean, are you going to come out the sky and just have a relationship with me? I pray, Lord, that you would break down the barriers in our hearts, the, 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 the apprehension that we may have. We may have walked with you for 20 years, and we're, we're still not there yet where we're truly trusting you and, and inviting you to come in and, and dine with us on a deeper level. May we all, may myself, Lord, I pray that you would help me to have a deeper walk with you, Lord, that I would rely on you for all things, that I wouldn't rely on, on the external things of life or people or circumstances, but I would just look to you alone for you to be my portion. Help us, Lord, to truly trust in you so that we may live a life that is filled with joy and peace and love and hope and the things that this world so desperately needs and is lacking of. Father, we thank you. And I pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.